0: Welcome back to the Foul Balls podcast for December 18th, 2017. 10 game NBA slate for Matt and I to talk about. And the first game on the slate I think is probably the one of one of the least interesting games of the night, the Boston Celtics at the Indiana Pacers. For the Pacers, it's just a fade for me. The Celtics best defensive team in the league. I generally don't like to roster players against them. And then from the Celtics, their fantasy production's been spread pretty thin this year. Al Horford, I think, is a reasonable price, and he's been playing pretty well recently, and he is the best matchup of anybody in the starting lineup, but not really a lot of exposure that I'm going to have to him or anybody in this game, so I think that this game is pretty much a fade.
1: Yeah, I think Al Horford's the best guy to use from the Celtics for his price, and then Miles Turner could be in play, but there are enough games on this slate that we don't really need to reach, and there are some pretty strong value spots, too, so I think we can just avoid this one also.
0: All right, next game is the Knicks at the Hornets. So for the Knicks, we have Kristaps Porzingis as questionable. If he doesn't play, then Michael Beasley is going to start in his place. Beasley only 4,600, I think, would be a pretty strong value play. He started in place of Porzingis last game, scored 30 points, played 38 minutes, 46 fantasy points. So he would be a strong value play if Porzingis is out. There would be more usage for Ennis Canner. Just the issue is that Canner is still dealing with a couple of different injuries, and it's limited as minutes. If you look at the last few games, uh, 18 minutes, 26, 27, 23. So even with the extra usage, I think Canner's probably a bit too risky to play on a 10-game slate unless we know for sure that he's not going to have any restrictions. And then from the Charlotte side of the game, uh, Kemba Walker I think is fine at 7,100. And Dwight Howard I think is a pretty good play at 7,800, especially if Porzingis can't play. Canner's just really bad on defense. He's going to be seeing a lot of bad defense in that situation, and I think that Howard should have no problem having a good game against the Knicks front court.
1: Yeah, I like Howard and Walker too, especially Walker. But if Porzingis doesn't play and Canner is playing restricted minutes or just a few less minutes than normal, then someone's got to get the minutes. Could it be Kyle O'Quinn maybe playing 20-plus, or you think the Knicks just go small ball, which I guess could help Dwight Howard a lot? Because someone else has to take over that playing time.
0: Yeah, Kyle O'Quinn will play some minutes. Like Lance Thomas will play minutes. Uh, it's really, I mean Beasley played like almost forty minutes last game, so that's that's a lot of front court minutes right there. And then just kind of even if we say that it's what like twenty four minutes, twenty four minutes for Canner and Cock. That's still uh, you know that's that's all of the that's all their center minutes.
1: Yeah, so I would I would think O'Quinn is usable then at four thousand and twenty four minutes. He's a pretty good per minute producer and would have a decent shot at usage playing with Porzingis. Beasley does take a lot of the usage, but I think O'Quinn would be arguably as good of a play as Beasley, maybe a little bit worse, but I think they would both be pretty strong value plays.
0: All right, moving ahead. The Miami Heat at the Atlanta Hawks. From the Heat side of the game, we have James Johnson is out. Hassan Whiteside, obviously, is still out. So there's, there's a lot of minutes available for the Heat, and... I think a lot of it is probably going to go to Bam Idabayo. Uh, so Bam, last game, played 28 minutes, and James Johnson got hurt kind of, I think it was either the end of the first quarter or beginning of second quarter, and then we saw Idabayo really have to step up. So if he's going to be playing close to 30 minutes at 4,100, I think that he's a solid value play, also a good matchup for him. Kelly Olynyk at 5,000, he's going to have to play extra minutes. And then from the Atlanta side of the game, uh I'd say Schroeder maybe in play as at 7200 just because he is upside except nothing really all that enticing for me. John Collins at 5400 is maybe okay if he doesn't have a minutes restriction but first two games back from the shoulder injury he's only played 22 minutes and 19 minutes. So if he's only gonna play that much, I just think there's gonna be better plays on the slate. And the other issue with targeting guys against the Heat is just they're a decent defensive team. They played a pretty slow pace. So I think the Heat make for better targets against a weak Atlanta team.
1: Yeah, I was initially looking at this game for potential stacking purposes, but there really isn't anyone from the Hawks that is a strong value play, except potentially John Collins if he's unrestricted or just has a higher minutes limit. But almost everyone from the Heat seems usable. Uh, Dragic gets a pretty easy matchup against, uh, against Schroeder and then... If the Heat are playing more small ball, it could just be a little bit higher pace of a game, but there's just a lot of extra minutes to go around if James Johnson is out. Uh, Johnson, did you say was already ruled out or he's questionable? I think I'm... Oh, I, I, think,
0: he, I think he's out.
1: Yeah, uh, Winslow is the one who's questionable. That's who I was looking at. So if Winslow's out too, then it's even more minutes for those Heat guys that normally are key rotation guys but just would play a little bit extra. Maybe Wayne Ellington gets some extra minutes. He usually doesn't play much, but... He's done pretty well in some of the games where he's played essentially starters minutes. Um, But yeah, you can't really stack this game because it's just a bad matchup for the Hawks. So I think it would make sense to use two, maybe three heat guys together in some lineups. Um, There would probably be some negative correlation to use more than that. But I think using a couple Miami guys together in various lineups would be a decent strategy.
0: All right. Next game on the slate, the Utah Jazz and the Houston Rockets for the Utah side of the game. Rudy Gobert is injured again. Uh, I think this is actually the third time in the last two years that he's gotten hurt from Derek Favors rolling up on his knee. So he's out for, I think it's a month this time. Derek Favors has a concussion, so he's questionable. If he can't play, then we're in the same situation we were last game where there's just a ton of minutes available in the Utah front court. They started Ekpe Udo and Joe Johnson in the front court last game. Udo was really good, and I still think it's too cheap if Favors is out. And he's also a pretty good per-minute producer, so he would be a good value play. And then Joe Johnson, somebody who I think could go under the radar as a good value, he didn't produce much last game except he played 30 minutes. And I think that Joe Johnson is somebody who a lot of people just think, oh, Joe Johnson, whatever, old, washed up. Joe Johnson had to play kind of a similar role for the Jazz last year in the playoffs when he was starting for them, and he was arguably their best player. So I still think that Joe Johnson has something left in the tank, and we've seen him be really good as recently as – What's for him like four games ago because he's missed almost this entire season. So really the most recent games that he's played, he's been really good. So I think that Joe Johnson is a good value play. And then um, other guys like Joe Ingles could be in play, uh, Rodney Hood, Donovan Mitchell. But still we have to figure out what that Derek Favors news is going to be. And then from the Houston side of the game, Clint Capella is questionable. If he can't play, Nene probably starts. and I think he'd be a decent value. We'd be looking at extra minutes for P.J. Tucker. He'd be a good value. And then also James Harden at 10500 I just think it's ridiculously cheap for him. The Jazz defense is not really that good without Gobert. They do play at a slow pace, but I wouldn't look at this as a massive negative matchup for Harden. And just 10500 is it's, it's just ridiculous for him, and he's my favorite guy to pay off for honestly.
1: So while the status of Derek Favors matters a lot for who he would use on the Utah side, I think the Capella injury is really the key to this game. Um, this was a week ago when I checked, so I'm going to pull it up again because I think Clint Capella is something like fifth in the NBA in win shares. Like he's really important for the Rockets to actually be able to do well. And if he doesn't play, it would mean a lot in terms of the jazz keeping the game close. I'm
0: just going to, I'm just going to cut you off for a second on that. Like, I do think that Clint Capella is really good and I like him a lot, but one of the reasons he's really good is because he gets the easiest shots in the world from Chris Paul and James Harden. So, his offense, I think, could pretty easily be filled by somebody like Nene, who would be able to also make uncontested dunks.
1: Yeah, I think the Rockets wouldn't lose too much offensively, but Capella, also as a rim protector, is a lot better than Nene. So, that and that, and then the fact that they also would probably be playing some Nene, who I guess would lead to more scoring for Utah, but also smaller lineups, just with less big men available. Um, maybe it doesn't do a ton for the Jazz staying in the game. Maybe Vegas line adjusts two or three points for Capella or something, which could even be a little excessive. I I think that probably would be about a fair amount, but, um, the smaller lineups could lead to just more scoring overall. So it could actually maybe Harden and Paul get less alley-oop assists, but it could just mean more total shot attempts for everyone in the game, better matchup for Derek Favors if he ends up playing and... It's already probably a good spot for Utah because Gobert's out and it's an up-paced game and they have some guys getting extra minutes that don't normally play that much. So I think even though the Rockets are going to be big favorites here, we don't actually have a Vegas line yet. But the Rockets are going to be at least 10-point favorites for this game, even if Capella does sit. But if the Jazz do manage to keep this game close, it could be a really high-scoring game. And there are a lot of guys from Utah, like you said, who are decent values, could have a lot of upside. I think Donovan Mitchell is maybe the biggest factor in terms of Utah keeping the game close. So you could make a pretty good game stack here using Mitchell, and then I guess probably one of Harden or Paul, and then several of the surrounding players uh, that are reasonably priced from both teams.
0: Yeah, and then I definitely prefer Harden to Paul, just because Harden's price is down for this matchup. Paul's price has gone up just because he's been so good recently. And I still expect Harden to be the better fantasy producer going forward. Just Paul's been playing out of his mind recently. But pardon for me, the preferred guy to pay up for in this game. Uh, Next game on the slate, we have the Philadelphia 76ers at the Chicago Bulls. The Sixers played against the Thunder in a triple overtime game on Saturday. And because of that, the resting Joel Embiid tonight, or no, that was Friday night game, and the resting Embiid on a Monday for that. So with Embiid out, there's more usage for Ben Simmons. There's more usage for Robert Covington. There's more usage for Dario Saric. Rashawn Holmes is going to see a big uptick in minutes. He's a good value play at 4100 From the Bulls side of the game, Embiid being out is a huge boost for them because the Sixers are a top-five defense with Embiid on the floor. They're a bottom-five defense with him off the floor. So I think that guys like Chris Dunn, I think, is a solid play at 6800 His price has gone up, but he's averaging almost 40 fantasy points per game over the last month, so I think that he's a fine play. And then we kind of have to pay attention to what happens with Laurie Markkinen. Markkinen's questionable if he can't play. I think Miritich is a really strong play. He's been playing really well in his place. But if Markkinen starts, I think that all of Markkinen, Miritich, Portis, I think they're all fades for me because I think they're all just going to share minutes.
1: Yeah, I think that that's fair. It, it looks like a good stack spot anyway because of the higher scoring potential for both teams without Embiid. Uh, not not that the Sixers are going to be more efficient because Embiid is one of the most efficient scorers in the league, but just a higher pace game, playing different caliber of lineup, maybe some Sarge at center, more small ball, um, and then substantially worse defense. So which so that would lead to more scoring for Chicago. But yeah, if Markin plays, it's just kind of hard to figure out the minutes. They would, there's a bit of a crowded front court there for the Bulls. But if Markinen sits, then there's a lot of value on the Bulls. And then Kristen, I think I agree with you, is a good value play either way. Um, just, he's been really good and his price hasn't gone up enough. So there's a lot to like from this game. And I guess we'll just have to see what happens with marketing because it could be a pretty substantial impact on which players get used.
0: All right. So keeping up with the injury trends, Portland Trailblazers at the Minnesota Timberwolves, Jimmy Butler's currently questionable play with a back injury. Uh, surprise, surprise. It is suboptimal to play your superstars. Uh, 45 minutes in a game where you're beating a terrible Suns team by 60 points. Uh, so that's what happened. Thibodeau plays the starters forever, even in blowouts against bad teams. Next game, Jimmy Butler gets hurt. So Butler, questionable if he can't play. More usage for Wiggins, more usage for Carl Anthony Towns. And then I think it's kind of a wait and see in terms of who starts in his place. We know that Thibodeau loves to play his starters. He hates going to his bench unit. So whoever starts in place of Jimmy Butler, if he can't play, could play upwards of 40 minutes at a close to minimum price. So whether that ends up being um, Jamal Crawford is a possibility, uh, Georges Hunt is a possibility, maybe it's Shabazz Muhammad. Whoever it is probably plays a lot of minutes and is a good play. But once again, it's kind of a wait-and-see situation. Is Butler playing or not? I kind of do tend to think that Butler's more likely to play than sit out for tomorrow.
1: Well, do you really think that if Marcus George's hunt starts, Jamal Crawford won't see that much of a minutes uptick just because Thibodeau has, for whatever reason, some obsession with playing his starters as much of the game as possible? Because George's hunt isn't a typical starter. He hasn't started at all this year. So it it could make sense that Crawford comes off the bench and then just ends up functioning like a starter and playing most of the game? Or do you really think Thibodeau just sticks to playing whoever that starter is and just playing in most of the game?
0: Uh, Well, earlier in the season, Jimmy Butler missed a couple of games, and I don't think Crawford played more minutes in those games. So I I think that's the indication. And we saw this last year also where um, when Zach Levine first got hurt, he started Shabazz for times, and we saw Shabazz play upwards of 40 minutes, and then he switched to – who was it? There was some other random player who – wasn't even in the rotation. Literally, was playing zero minutes per game until Zach Levine got hurt, and he put the guy in the starting lineup in the first game, he played 40 minutes. So yes, I think that whoever starts for Thibodeau, he's just going to leave them on the floor for almost the entire game.
1: Well, if it is Crawford who starts, I think he's a really strong play. I wouldn't like George's hunt as much because he doesn't do as much. But the fact that Crawford wasn't the starter earlier when Butler was out, I think it indicates that Thibodeau just likes having Crawford on the second unit and probably won't use him, so maybe it just ends up being a fate of that situation, Uh, but I guess George's hunt could be in play, too. For the rest of this game, though, I think it's a really tough matchup for Carl Anthony Towns, even though he sees an increase in usage, because he's going up against Nurkic, which is just not an easy matchup, and it's also just not a great spot for Minnesota in general against a good defense that the Blazers have. Um, There were some good spots to target teams against Portland when Nurkic was out, but with him in... It's a bigger team, it's a slower game, and they're just better defensively. So I think, I don't know, maybe you, you end up rostering Wiggins and whoever starts in Butler's spot, but I don't really like the rest of the Wolves for this game.
0: I would still be okay with Towns. He's been really good recently. He's below 9,000, so I still think that he would be in play. He is a usage rating at almost 30% with Butler off the floor. So I would be fine with him. I also think he's scored over fifty fantasy points now in four or five or five of his last six games. So he's playing better recently. And the other thing also is the Timberwolves have made a switch, which I think is the right thing to do, where the focal points of the offense are Jimmy Butler and Carl Anthony Towns. So the two best players and they're getting a lot more usage as of late. And I, I think that we would really see just so much usage for Towns tomorrow that even in a difficult matchup, I think with the price down a little bit, it would I think it would offset.
1: I guess that's fair. Even if he doesn't see any more than the normal uptick in usage, I wouldn't say that he's not in play. I just think we're going to get to guys that are, and a couple of them we've already mentioned, that are better plays for similar prices. But yeah, I I could see Towns, just his usage being so high that he ends up being a good play anyway. Uh, The last thing I have in this game is that I think CJ McCollum gets probably a pretty decent boost not having to be guarded by Jimmy Butler. And his price has gone down a pretty substantial amount too. I think he was up to around 7,500 at one point this year. 7,200, 7,300, that's about as high as he got. Now he's at 65, which is actually his lowest point of the season. So it's a decent matchup anyway against Minnesota, but without Butler's defense, I think that's the person who benefits most from the Portland side.
0: All right, next game, we have the Denver Nuggets at the Oklahoma City Thunder. For the Nuggets, just what's going to happen with Jokic? Is Jokic starting and playing regular minutes? Is he coming off the bench and only playing 22 minutes a game? I think that this is one of these other situations where we have to pay attention to the beat reporters. Harrison Wynn for the Nuggets is a really good beat reporter. He's usually on top of his stuff. I think that he's somebody I'll look to tomorrow to see, is Jokic starting? Is Jokic coming off the bench? Does he have any restrictions? If Jokic is playing in full, I think he's a good play at 8,100. It's a tough matchup, so if he's coming off the bench and playing only like 25 minutes or so tomorrow, he's out of play for me. From the Thunder side of the game, I think Westbrook's in play. I think Paul George is strong play at 7,600, and then no interest in anybody else.
1: I think it's the first time that you've actually given a shout-out to a beat reporter all season, so I don't know. Maybe we're going to have to get a contract with him or something so we can make— more of his references. again. I haven't more talked
0: t- about Rod Beard at all for the
1: for the Pistons. Okay, now we have two. I, I don't think so. I know we've talked about him a lot because he's like our favorite DFS-oriented beat reporter, but I, I don't think so. Maybe not on the podcast.
0: Uh, well, I'll have to keep that in mind. From now on, whenever there's somebody... I mean, there's only like a few beat reporters that actually think do like a really good job on Twitter. I think a lot of them just give out like weird information. Like the other day with Derek Favors, when he was questionable and ended up being ruled out, the injury report as it came out on Twitter, I don't even remember which guy it was that said this, was that Derek Favors was likely probable to try to play, (laughs) which is just such a terrible injury update. So I guess, yeah, if there's somebody who I really like that I think gives good information for a certain team, I'll say go look at this guy. But uh, a lot of the reporting has been pretty shitty for basketball this year.
1: Well, as far as this game itself, uh, how much do you think the Jokic status impacts the Thunder side, Because I do like Russell Westbrook to pay up for, not as much as James Harden, probably. But Westbrook just, I don't know. It's really hard to gauge the thunder. But I think that this team is going to start playing better at some point. There's just too much talent there that that doesn't happen. And it's probably going to be Westbrook and Paul George. It's not like they've been terrible all season. They've just been pretty inconsistent. They've had a lot of bad games. So I don't know. Does Jokic being out open up more, more space for them to do well? I know he's not good defensively, but... It's just a big body at the rim, and the Nuggets are already without Millsap. So maybe it just it's a compound effect without having both guys.
0: I don't know. Like, I think if Jokic is playing less minutes, it's for Plumlee to play more minutes. And I think they're pretty comparable defensively. Maybe Plumlee's slightly better, but Plumlee's not a good defender either. So I, I would say that it's not something I would put a lot of weight into. I think no matter what, it's a really strong matchup for Westbrook, and he's kind of matchup-proof anyway. So I think it's a good spot for him.
1: Yeah, that makes sense, and Plumlee probably slows the game down, so maybe it is better that Jokic plays for the offensive potential of everyone involved.
0: All right, next game is Clippers-Spurs. There's a lot of blowout risk in this one. The Spurs are pretty large favorites, and they also have Kawhi Leonard back. Leonard not in play yet because he still has the minutes restriction. Uh, He played, I think it was 16 minutes last game. Maybe they get him to like 18, 20 or so for this game, but still not enough minutes. For him to be considered in play, but it's enough minutes where he takes away the value of Lamarcus Aldridge, takes the value away from Ruth Gay, takes away the value from Pau Gasol. So I don't think anybody from the Spurs in play. From the Clippers, even though it's a tough matchup, I think that uh, Milos Teodosic is a decent play at 4,900, and Deandre Jordan at 7,100 has just been rebounding like crazy. He averages, I think it's like 18 and a half rebounds per 36 minutes with Blake Griffin off the floor this year. So I think that he's in play. Uh, slightly risky because of the blowout chances, but I I think that both of them are rosterable.
1: Yeah, I've been pretty high on Lou Williams recently uh, with Gallinari not playing, but the blowout risk here, I think, really hurts Lou Williams. Teodosic is cheap enough that it's not a big deal, and he maybe will just get the same amount of minutes anyway, even if they are getting blown out. So that's probably not too much of a concern. DeAndre Jordan, I think, could still potentially do do fine even in a game where the Clippers are getting blown out just because he's kind of cheap and he's just... He's so much better without Blake Griffin available, especially in terms of rebounds. Well, I guess it's it's really only in terms of rebounds. But I, I wouldn't worry about the blowout too much for DeAndre Jordan. It definitely has me off stacking this game. Even if you want to go contrarian here and play for the game to be close, like you said, there's, just, there's no real value to find on the Spurs. So there's no cross-team correlation that really works. I think it's just play Teodosic, maybe play DeAndre Jordan. That's probably it.
0: All right, and the last game on the slate, the Golden State Warriors at the L.A. Lakers. Kevin Durant has been ridiculous since Steph Curry got hurt. Curry obviously still not playing. Draymond Green's been ruled out again, so we're probably going to get another start for Jordan Bell at 4,500, who's a good value play. Omri Caspi, I think at 4,100, he's also a good value play. He should start. Uh, Let's see. Anybody else? Oh, also Patrick McCaw. So the point guard situation for the uh, Warriors, Sean Livingston is also out in addition to Curry. So McCall played 30 minutes last game. He didn't really do much with those minutes. But if he's going to play 30 minutes again in a pretty good matchup, I I think that he's a usable value play. He's only 3400 which is too cheap for a starting point guard who could be seeing upwards of 30 minutes. Uh, Klay Thompson and Kevin Durant, I think, are both in play per dollar. They're not my favorite plays on the slate. And then from the Lakers' side of the game, I mean, I think guys like Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Jordan Clarkson, uh, I think these guys are all fine as GPP plays and are usable in game stacks, but I wouldn't really use them outside of that.
1: Yeah, I think the ownership will be kind of high here, too, but there, there are some pretty strong value plays on the Warriors. One situation that I'm not quite sure about is Jordan Bell's minutes compared to Omri Caspi. So Bell hasn't played more than 26 minutes in a game this season. And he didn't really play at all in the fourth quarter last game, even with Draymond Green out. But Caspi was just so good that I think they just left Caspi in the game, and they wanted Iguodala in the game at the end. So Bell just was the odd man no, out there. No, it was uh,
0: the, the last game wasn't close, so they didn't have the starters. And at the end,
1: um, I think the starters were pulled in that game with about three minutes left because the game was either tied or was a few. It was a couple points off at halftime. Durant, I think, left the game with about two minutes left, but Jordan Bell didn't play the entire fourth quarter, and Omri Caspi played, I think, up until the final minute.
0: Yeah, they just put Caspi back in at the end, but for the most part, the starters, like, I think Durant only played one or two minutes in the fourth quarter also. And the other thing also with Jordan Bell is Jordan Bell is averaging over a fantasy point per minute this season. So at 4,500, if he's going to play 25 minutes, in a plus matchup, like you still expect him to score somewhere around 30 fantasy points.
1: I'm definitely comfortable using Bell no matter what, but what I'm wondering is are we looking at 30 minutes and the only reason that he only played 25 last game is because Caspi took some of his minutes just because he was having such a good game, or are the Warriors capping Jordan Bell at 25 minutes for some reason?
0: So, for what it's worth, Kevin Durant played three minutes in the fourth quarter. He checked in with five minutes left and came out with two minutes left. Okay, um, right, because
1: Durant doesn't play the first per- portion of the fourth quarter anyway. I think Klay Thompson did play almost the entire fourth quarter, though.
0: Yeah, he also came out with two minutes left. He started the fourth quarter, though. The other thing also that I think had some impact on uh, Jordan Bell and Kevin Durant was David West was playing really well in the fourth quarter, so they just let him play minutes. And then also, that uh, Klay Thompson was playing really well, and also... Even though the game wasn't a total blowout, it wasn't exactly close. Like, the Warriors were pretty consistently up around 15 points in the fourth quarter. So, with how well Clay Thompson was shooting the ball, I think that they were just more inclined to give Durant rest. Like, I think he would have, I think Bell and Durant probably would have come in earlier in the fourth quarter had it been closer, and guys like David West and Clay Thompson not playing as well.
1: All right. I think that makes sense. But either way, Bell is going to play somewhere in the 25 to 30 minute range. So, He's, he's a very strong uh, value play regardless. I think we're kind of just trying to hone in on exactly what the situation is. But the Warriors, guys like Bell and Caspi and McCaw, I think, are all usable regardless of if you think they're going to play low 20s, mid 20s, high 20s. They're just too cheap, and they're going to play pretty significant minutes.
0: All right, so that's going to finish today's podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Garenberg DFS. Matt's Twitter handle is at PreachingSense, and we'll be back tomorrow.